There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show podcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's QFTA. It's September 26, 2022. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, and oh my God, look who is in the studio. What a special, special day it is. Michael Wellington. I've never heard a gallery this charged up since Friday at Normandy when Ken Strode mm. Delicately placed nine of ten shots onto the 18th hole at Normandy in front of what would you say 1700 1800? I mean it was probably close to 2000. Yeah, <laughs> it was in that ballpark. For what sure. what an event that was! What a what a special moment! I haven't had adrenaline race like that since the back night of Brookline this summer <laughs> <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> Comparable short game skills, similar but not the same. <laughs> I would say. I will give him credit, as I said that I would. Yes, you did. He executed. We saw that he missed one shot. I believe it was the fourth ball. Yep, just a little short. And then there was a ball that he pulled left Mm -hmm. that got some love from the left fringe and Mm -hmm. kicked it on the green. And then I guess it was maybe the second-to-last ball, if memory serves. It landed short, and you thought maybe that ball was not going to reach the surface. But yet it trundled. But it did. Destiny was on his side. When I got out there on uh, Friday morning and I looked at it, I go, God, I guess it's certainly possible to not do it. But now that I see how big oh, the yeah. green is, I, I, I and I, ch- I did. I, I don't know who I was talking with, but probably the people I was playing with. I said, I think he's going to do it just because it is, you know. You could park the car on that. Right. Car, a couple cars. But then at the same time, he had to execute under pressure. He did. You know. I don't know if I would have used that club for me, you know. What was he using, 54? If I just got to get it on the green, I think I'm just, like, hitting a little, like, I don't know, like a little gap wedge, low shoot, and just yeah. rolling it up there. I think you could use three or four different clubs yeah. there if you wanted to. Right. He just felt comfortable. Now, it's funny because when I called in last week to challenge him, he was talking about how his 58 was, was the perfect, perfect one. Club, but, but yet he used a 54. He did not use the 58. Yeah. I held the 58, yeah. waiting for him to go back and change. <laughs> right. Now, did you notice when I put those golf balls down, I put them on the left side of the fairway, he didn't think it was level enough for him. He moved he those did. balls a good 10 to 12 yards right. Uh, but, hey, he did it. He did it with people watching. I, I wasn't – Betting on the fact that, you know, yes, the green was big and was it very doable? Sure. I was just thinking that he would make more than one mistake, mm-hmm. and he didn't. Yeah, so, like a blade or a chunk. Like the fourth shot, he caught it maybe just a hair heavy, and right. it, it didn't reach the surface, and it stayed short on the fringe, and I was thinking that would happen at least twice. Yeah. But, you know, he pulled it off, and I think he can say he wasn't nervous, but oh, he, he definitely had some, he had some adrenaline. Once, sure. once he missed one and he had to hit six or seven straight, that's when he said he acknowledged it in the post game interview uh, under the tent with uh, Amanda Balionis. Yep, he, he acknowledged it. He did acknowledge there was a charge there, but uh, yeah, Skip Berkmeyer, you people whose games, I mean, I have a great deal of respect. Jennings Jr. All were like, I love Iggy, but no way in the world. <laughs> And there it was. And I saw the first one kind of just a nice little flight right toward the pin. And I'm going, 
Yeah, it was a good shot. He hit a number of very quality yes. shots where he could have made those He could have got putts. up and down. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he did call me on Saturday. Uh-oh. This he is called, information that I don't he, have. He, yeah. call, he called me to thank me. He called me and to say it was really fun. And uh, he, But he also said that, I guess, Jackson, did you, you put it on Instagram Live? And I don't know how Instagram yeah. works. So it, it's up for a certain amount of time, and then it goes away. Right. He, is that the way was, that it works? Well, with Instagram Live, for sure. Okay, I think he was... He didn't say it outright, but I think the reason he called me was to figure out if I knew anybody that had footage of it to, so he could watch it. And I said, you know, I'm Instagram, you know, yeah, I, I'm blind. I'm a right. blind Instagram person, yeah, so I didn't know what to tell him. He texted me Saturday morning as well, bright and early, asking where the video was. And I said, well, we're on Instagram Lives, and I think it went away. And I could tell disappointment. Very oh, disappointed. He, um, but he wanted it bad. Well, they got to, it. They I just talked it. to Joey. Oh, what did he say? When's it going to be up? Because Hubbard shot it, Mike. He said they're working on it today, and they're going to have a graphic with a little score bug on there. Oh, nice. Logos. Okay. So that video will be coming. But, yeah, I could tell that he was not not pleased that the video is not readily available because uh, he texted me. All right. Well, then, uh, for those who've been asking, it will be up. And uh, I would imagine it'll be at TMASTL.com and probably on our YouTube channel. Michael Wellington in this week for QFTA. He just happened to be sitting in the studio when we came back into the studio talking it over at the Plowock. And I said, hey, Jackson, and I are going to do QFTA today. Why not hang out? A little yeah, impromptu. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Iggy, uh, I really enjoyed his club flip at the end when he accomplished his feet. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of you know uh, certain home run hitters maybe flipping a bat. More Jose uh, Bautista than Fernando Tatis Jr. Fair, very fair. <laughs> uh, so that and then I could tell that once it was over, you know, we were shaking hands. I could. He was shaking. I mean, he was oh, juiced. Wow. He was yeah. juiced. Wow. He really was. Yeah. Which wow. I was. Which was great to see. That's what I wanted. That? I, I wanted the adrenaline to be going through his veins. And um, yeah, like I said, he. Uh, he pulled it off, and, and kudos to him. I'm dead. So I guess the, the thing that I noticed, and I know nobody else would have noticed this unless you played it and would have been paying attention to it, but the grass just, you know, the first, I don't know, 20 yards on the front of that green, not the actual green itself, but the grass on, I wouldn't call it an apron, but leading into that green is perfect. Yeah. Like when you and I are down in Jupiter – and you're and I'm saying I can't chip off this fucking Bermuda. Yeah. And you're like, well, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. You got to pay attention to the grain. This, I assume, that's Zoysia. That's that was Zoysia for sure. And where it he was, was playing so from. fluffy, yeah. and you know, so that when we were out there on Friday morning, I thought, ooh, this is this is lush. Now, you know? if I knew that he was going to be playing those shots off of Bermuda, that bet would have been five hundred. <laughs> Like no doubt. I mean, Bermuda is a totally different oh, animal. Yeah. Yeah. It oh, is yeah. a totally. You can make mistakes, yeah. little tiny mistakes, just like that. And yeah, he would have. He definitely would have bladed a couple more. Sure. And I don't know. He, he might have chunked a couple, but Bermuda would be. Up in it. Yeah. Bermuda would have been. Um, I would have actually probably bet seven. Is that right? Sure. That Bermuda is. Nine to ten. I think he might. But I, I was aware that when you guys talked about on the show about him choosing the 18th green, I knew it was going to be Zoysia. And again, I didn't want him to have any excuses. Uh, maybe we can do it again and we can put him on some Bermuda. Yeah, put the man to the test. Challenge the players. That's what we do here. Uh, it is QFTA. Michael Wellington in with me and Jackson, the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly is our studio sponsor here, and we recommend Ryan Kelly because I have done business with him, and therefore it is very easy for me to recommend him to our audience. I know interest rates are all over the place right now, but... They have a big delta, and Ryan Kelly has lower rates, and he can get them for you. Plus, if you're looking at buying a home but you haven't locked in a rate, 
They have lock and shop programs that can lock you in at any time at thehomeloanexpert.com. It's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, studio sponsor here on The Tim McKernan Show. And once you get your home, get it insured with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. It's James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and he is my insurance agent, 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Jackson, could you tell the fine people about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, who is there on hole number 12? Michael, we yes, had a hole-in-one from Danny Packer on number 12. Amazing. And Mark Hanna was there. Amazing. Wow, yeah. an ace. And, and Mark, Hull, Mark Hanna is uh, an ace of a financial advisor. Oh, wow. You can't, you can't teach working, no. You can't teach that. Working with him is like getting a hole-in-one. Uh, he's, he's such a good dude. I talked to him a little bit. Isn't that day. he? Great he's just he, yeah, he's really really awesome. He's helped me out a lot. He's worked with Doug, Prod Joe, a ton of listeners, and everyone I've ever talked to has worked with Mark. Is like, man, I'm in such a better position working with a guy like Mark Hanna because you know I had no real. I'm I'm financially kind of illiterate in the sense where I just don't know about all these different plans and best ways to save money. It's all kind of like another language to me. But talking to Mark, he really explains it really well. Tells you what he thinks is the best plan for you going forward. Because you tell them, you know, what situation you're in, where you want to be in the next five to ten years. And if you have any worries or anything you need to get adjusted, you call Mark. He takes care of it. He loves talking with clients. He's such a great guy. So if you don't have anybody, if you just throw money into a savings account, get in touch with Mark Hanna as soon as possible. You're going to be really happy you did. And if you already have somebody, consider making the switch over to Mark because he's the best in the business. 314-889-0503. or go online at evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, Michael, what is your schedule? Because you are going to be filling in on this show, but that is when Doug is out. Jackson, do you know the dates Doug is out? I just thought it was, I don't know the exact date, so I just, I, I know it's next week at some point, but I, I don't know the exact dates. Uh, but it's kind of pending <laughs> the Chris Nagel. My and, schedule, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, there. but I, uh, I wanted to let the audience know because yeah. Doug's vacationing. I know it's. I know he's not going to be in St. Louis on the sixth because we're having a uh, Hubbard and TMA sales thing on the sixth. Um, so at the very least, I think he's out the fourth through the seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my right. my schedule is dictated right. right now by Chris Nagel's Monday qualifying situation. So that's I believe Vegas? I believe that week is Las Vegas. So. He gets in on Monday. I'll have to go to Las Vegas. Or not have to go. I'll be lucky to go to sure, Las Vegas. Absolutely. Haven't been in a while. I know you're oh, a God. fan. Oh. You used to have season tickets there, oh. if memory serves. Oh. God, that'd be a nice <laughs> Where'd you stay? Out there. I was always at the Palazzo because I would mm. play poker in the Venetian poker mm. room. Yes. What a venue that yes, is. Yes, yes. I spent a lot of... Uh, Thursdays and Fridays in that sports book for the NCAA tournament. Oh, how do you do? What a marvelous uh, <laughs> venue that entire building is. Yeah, it's quite choice. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know. Um, so, is he playing at all right now? You know, I found out doing he, some metal uh, he, yeah, he's been playing around town a little bit. I, I found out he did not do the Monday today in Mississippi. There was a Monday in Mississippi. He did not, he had to, I think he had to do something with the kids. He had to be in town this week for the kids. So, uh, he's going to do Vegas, as far as I know, uh, a week from today. Okay. And then we'll see how that shakes out. And if he uh, gets in, I'll go to Vegas. If not, I will try to fill the large shoes of Douglas Elvin Vaughn. I think it's going to be wonderful. And for those who aren't aware, and I don't know how you couldn't be aware, but you were a co-host on a radio program. <laughs> 
12 years ago. You know, Jackson was 12 years old when you were. Probably around there. Are you familiar with that show at all? You probably know the name of it. Nick and the Bee? Yeah, that's right. You ought to do Nick and the Badger t-shirts now that I think about it. That would be good stuff. I would wear a Nick and the Badger (laughs) t-shirt. So would I. (laughs) (laughs) It was you, producer Joe, Mm -hmm. Charlie Marlowe, and Hannah Hercules. Yes, Hannah Hercules. And no one on the show names Nick or the Badger. That's correct. No, I think Tim can explain the name of the show. The cat. Now, tell me if I'm wrong on this. The cat... Made the observation, astute by the way, that morning shows around the country would always have a guy with kind of a generic name and then a guy named after an animal. Right. And there was plenty of TMA people who were named after animals, too. That is correct. So the cat was the one that I was misinformed. I thought you and producer Joe just kind of came up with that. No, no, that was no. a cat. I remember the cat would oh, go, hey, I'm like so and so with Nick and the Badger in Toledo, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. And then we came up, and anytime I'm asked to name shows, which works for the TMA audience, but then we do a TMA kind of name on the show we do on 101 ESPN, and that audience is a little different than the TMA audience, Michael, I can tell you. And so when we name the show Balloon Party, which is just kind of like, I don't fucking care what we name it. That's clearly what it seems like it was named after. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. And for the first month of the show, it couldn't have angered the audience at 101 ESPN anymore that we were called Balloon Party. So, uh, yeah, Nick and the Badger was kind of another way to go, yeah, we don't fucking care the name of the show. Either the show is good or it's not, and they'll call it the show with Michael Wellington and producer Joe and Charlie and Hannah Hercules. Or they'll say that show sucks. The name can't save a show, nor can it make a show. I, I, think, I think the best part about Nick and the Badger was it, it taught me a lot about St. Louis because every show was a remote. Right, right. Every that, single show. We never did a show in a studio. That was my father, who, of course, owns everything. As, as you've right. Come, as you've come That's to why learn. you're here. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> For many reasons. Absolutely. He, uh, he has bought my job here at Hubbard and everywhere else. But he had it, and it kind of drove me up the wall because I knew what he was selling the remotes for. It was a nice amount of money, especially when you add sure. up how many they were. Yeah. I mean, it was it got into a nice amount of money, so it counted. It was six months worth. I can yes. tell you that much. I so mean, I mean, I'm I'm doing the math. I mean, it's it's material dollars. The issue is that's all he would sell because for him, once you guys had like a month streak of never being in studio, it became a source of pride mm-hmm. that he would never have you guys in. Studio. Keep him on the road. So he would spend. <laughs> Every waking moment, making sure that if there was a remote, he would sell, even if it was the day before. And so you guys would always be out oh. because it became a source of personal pride for him to have this streak for Nick and the Badger. I mean, I can recall doing one at a Mercedes dealership near Lake St. Louis, <laughs> and then I can also remember doing one at a dirt cheap down on Telegraph. So, you know, we covered the entire gamut of the St. Louis metropolitan area. We'll, it's a radio show that'll come to you. <laughs> you don't have to wait. And it we'll absolutely did. And we're like, yeah, I guess we can sell some remotes. And But then it became every single month. Now, why did, why did it end? It, it, we went because we were bad. Eight. Yeah, <laughs> and I get, I get that. Well, gee, th- at that time, we—it's only fair if we had producer. Let's call producer Joe right now. But Joe was at his angriest. I think he was—he was mad about some some things then. Yeah, you 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 were, you had pointed out astutely at that time he had been dating a new girl. I don't think he's still with her. He is not because if he was, I, I believe asked you, Jackson to use the shears here. Yeah, you right. referred to her as the mole. Uh, well, we, that was or Michael A-mole? Creasy, which is an obscure reference. Maybe two mm. people listening to this will know who that is. Wonderful. He used to call guys who 
were in love, he would call them moles. And I go, what does that stand for? He goes, men in love. And I go, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. (laughs) But we just carried it on. I mean, so much of the TMA lexicon comes from Columbia, Missouri, Mm. being drunk and or high in the late 1990s. Now now I hear these guys who are like Jackson's age using these terms. And I'm like, they weren't born when we were saying this shit in Columbia. But anyway, I go, yeah, Joe's, Joe's a mole right now, man in love with this girl who hated so me joe was the reason. mole she wasn't the mole no, joe, okay joe, man now i'm getting love. that now tw- man 10 years love. later okay man in love yes and he <laughs> but it was a, there there was a pic and joe i'd be curious like if we got him on a lie detector anna marie and i have this picture you know we were like a year or two into our relationship and you know had you know no children at the mm-hmm. time living above Flannery's. Remember, I used sure, to live. I remember you being Down up there. there on Washington Avenue. Oh my back god! In the day. And Stoles had the sidebar. Yeah, and Lucas Park Carol was Lucas bumping. Park yeah, and TQs at Flannery's, yeah. and we just can like just walk. It was so fun. Over. Oh my god! And just get fucked up. Yeah. And so we get fucked up all the time. And there's a picture where she's like doing something like with her mouth wide open, and I'm like extending what is a very aggressively long tongue. And it's a it's like we're just being drunk in the middle of the day, probably right. at Wave Taco, shit faced. Sure, maybe some volleyball. And then coincidentally, like a week or two later, Joe and his mole had the same picture. It was very suspicious. She wasn't a fan of mine. Joe swore that it was not her taking a shot passive aggressively. I'd be curious if he would say it now, because then he'd have to acknowledge he was lying. Then. So she. Potentially could have been making fun of the photo. Is That's that, correct. Is that fair? That's correct. Wow. I mean, that is that is directly correct. Okay. Now this is a long time ago. I haven't thought about it until just <laughs> right. now for, for about a decade. But I remember I remember pulling into my garage at the building and, and where we were living uh, off of Washington, and Joe, I swear it wasn't. I go, okay. I said, Joe, I don't care. I'm just saying, it seems like she's causing some problems for you, and then that's impacting the show. Because you and Charlie, and I don't really, you know, I don't recall Hannah's involvement as much. She I've wasn't always... quite as involved, <laughs> let's right. say. I, 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 but I mean, do... if, if right now, let's say I owned a radio station or they were going to expand programming on 105.7 HD2, and people found out that you, producer Joe, and Charlie were doing a show. By the way, none of this is happening, just to be clear, because <laughs> yeah. I can already see yeah. a fan page thread starting. <laughs> People would be excited about it. Dad, wouldn't you I say, would be. Hell, I, I'd be I, excited about it. I'd be it. thrilled. Right. I'd ask to come so, in and produce it. So to say that the show was bad, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That, that's well, subjective. The well, show made money, but we moved to KFNS yeah. in May on the same deal, and they couldn't give us the same time slot, and they gave us one to three, and I don't think it worked for Charlie because of television. Yes, correct. And so then it became, well, we got to do something different. And that, and then we brought in Sarah Bruce, and yeah. Joe stayed on, and Jay. But yes. then you were out, and Charlie yeah, I, was out. At that point, I was I was like going to go play golf trip. again. And oh, is that right? Sure. I mean, okay. I kind of knew that um, when I, but I, but that because I used to take jobs like that to get me through winters. Like I missed Q school one time in '05, and then '06, I went and worked at Mizzou for the baseball team. Yeah, that's right. And then. I You're guess a broadcaster missed... for Missouri baseball. Correct. Okay. Yes, 2006, great year. Uh, Who's anybody? The Max Scherzer. about to say that. No, it was after Kinsler. Okay, it was it was Scherzer was there, and um, Nathan Culp was there. I don't know if he was a pitcher, and uh, the kid who went to Kansas City, his name is escaping me, but um, uh, Darnell Coles. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Darnell Coles Jr. Um, but I remember, I remember specifically one time you calling me, and we met. At the Jack Buck Grill at the MAC, 
and you said, all right, we need to make the show better. What can we do? And I said, you know, I honestly think that it would be better if Charlie ran the point. Who you was know, running point? Joe. Okay. Now, I mean, nothing against Joe you know, personally, obviously, but it he was... He wasn't in a good headspace, Jackson. And maybe that's why he wasn't... I just felt like Charlie was more... Um, I mean, Charlie kind of reminds me in certain ways of like Jim Nance. He's a host, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Joe is obviously a very successful producer. Not that he wasn't a good host, but I thought Charlie was more. Uh, I think he I felt like he was a little bit more polished, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, right. So to bring us in and out of breaks or whatever. But then you know, Hannah didn't really. I don't think Hannah really contributed because she didn't know what she was doing. God bless her. Um, but we had some fun. You know, we had some fun discussions. I remember getting into it with Charlie. We were doing a remote at a mattress store. <laughs> In St. Charles, <laughs> off of 94. I remember this vividly. Oh and Charlie. And you guys all live right off of 94, so it was convenient. Right, it was really close. <laughs> and Charlie didn't understand at that point that Augusta National was a private club and that they could do whatever they wanted for their tournament. Oh, was right? this Martha Burke time? Was this the I think Martha it was Burke either era? Martha Burke or Condoleezza Rice or whatever, whatever they. Maybe it was Martha Burke. And Joe knew what, you know, that private clubs do what private Georgia clubs boy. do. Yeah. Right, yeah. So. We spent this entire show sitting on mattresses in St. Charles. <laughs> they had you guys on the mattresses? Oh, we sat on the mattresses with, this, with the microphones in the middle. I'm not exaggerating. This so is exactly ridiculous. how it went. And we tried, and, and Charlie would not accept it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he didn't, he thought it was unfair that they could do whatever they want. I said, Charlie, it's a private place. They, they, it's their place, their rules. You can't, there's nothing you could do about it. And the more outside interference comes in, the more they're going to tell you to fuck off. So uh, that was one of my favorite shows. I'd be curious where he is on that now, 12 years later, because I look back on some of the things, like you just saying that we, I don't remember that meeting. I, I, I certainly believe it happened. You were playing a lot of cards then. Oh God, yeah. yeah. I, I've gone. I don't I think go you were from, playing golf at all. I, I wasn't. I didn't play golf no. from 2005 to 2016. Yeah. yeah, you were not playing golf. Right. No, it was winter time though. Yeah, but, but. I, 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 I played like one round of golf in my 30s, which is insane. Um, but anyway, uh, to think that I like Jackson, that might sound weird to you right now. Does that sound weird to you that I would meet? With anybody, Wellington, who I've known for you were trying to make it better, sure. But I'm just saying, like that takes me back to that era. And the in the core issue, knowing what it was actually like, looking back on it, is my guess is it just wasn't selling, minus the remotes, which isn't your guy's fault. Hmm. It's whatever we're going to put in there. And so I'm looking for a way to generate revenue. And this is what happens in programming. A little peek behind the the biz. If revenue isn't there, then what they do in programming is go, we got to try to figure out how to make the show better. But sometimes it's just a revenue issue and there's nothing you can do with it. Right. And so that's what it became. And, the, and real, it, the real issue, candidly, was probably a sales issue because yeah. it was like my dad and Melissa would be my guest. Those were the Yeah, Melissa, that's it. how I met Melissa. Yeah. But and, and it wasn't, to be Mar-Mar fair, Banks for our listeners it, who are it wasn't like there was something horribly wrong. No, it was just like, like getting together out. to like talk about it. But that I, was but it. I, right. But I, but I, but if I, as I recall, it was either on that show or when Joe's with Jay and Sarah mm-hmm. that Joe just wasn't in a great space. And I will say this for as much hell as Joe catches on the show, Joe is, and I... I've said it before because a lot of listeners are like, what's the deal with this guy? Because they have only been listening for a few years. He hasn't been on the show for nearly a decade right. full right. time. Coming he, up on it. you, you got to watch Pick 6 or just be listening when he texts me and he's raging about Iggy. They're like, what's the <laughs> deal with Some this Some of my favorite guy? banter, to be honest. <laughs> I've had more people tell me, I love when you say producer Joe is listening, listening to the show in yes. the morning. Because I, I know it's about to I, I love that too. I'm not going to lie. I love it. But he is – I don't like the term loyal because that loyal to me is like – 
like somebody who's just gonna like blunt. I don't want. I don't. I don't want that kind of loyalty. I want somebody who you know you can count on. That's what I want. Like if somebody says something, you know you can count on it. And for all of Joe's bat shittery that would go on over the years, you know, with the, with the the girlfriend, which was kind of a minor thing that was only a year or whatever it was. But just going fucking raging when I wouldn't go to a break or like we have a gas like Gabe's on hold and I'm not going to him right away and he just like start throwing his hands. Oh, so I didn't know that. Oh, this stuff would go on. I didn't know that at all. And I'd go, hey, Joe, I said, you know, I own the time. And if I'm not unhappy and and your pay comes from the company I own, there's no reason for you to be unhappy because everything's cool. Uh But he just and then he just just like kind of stomp off. But the thing is, even to this day, to this day. I don't even know how to describe it. You can just count on that guy. You can, yeah. It, it's kind of an old school thing, which is why he holds the grudge on Iggy as intensely <laughs> he as sure he does, because that's right. that's an old school thing. Yeah, it's a double edged sword in a it, sense. Yeah, but I mean, his 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 loyalty or his intensity will cut both ways. What you're explaining can be summed up in one word. Right. All of that, mm. Italian. Mm. That's how they are. They're I'm married to okay. a wonderful okay. Italian. I didn't know she was Italian. But oh, you didn't know Anne Marie was Italian. Uh-uh. But I mean, that's it's not an Irish name. I, I know I'm friends with a lot of Italian people. That's what you just described about Joe. That's how they are. They're fiercely right? loyal, intense, you know, but will be there for you when you need them. Yeah. You know? Well, he and he absolutely yeah. is, and it's weird because I remember there was a time, the, like within the first month of the show, the morning grind, that. Uh, somebody, and I actually can remember who it was, not a big deal, people now wouldn't know their name, uh, was bitching about the fact that I didn't do a post-game show from Patio's when the Cardinals had, like, KFNS did a post-game show, and it was, like, on a Wednesday night. And I overheard it, and then Joe was going in on it. And he was jumping in on it. I'm going, first off, you guys don't know my situation. I was doing television at the time. This is 2004. And so me and the cat and Martin all had separate situations from people who weren't doing TV there. And I said to Joe, I said, you're welcome to not like some of the things that's cool. But in order for this thing to be successful, mm-hmm. it's and at that time it was four of us, me, Joe, Martin, and the cat, we got to make sure that stuff stays inside the room. Sure. And if you got a problem, come to me. And if I got a problem, I'll come to you. But we're not going to air each other out. There was no social media then. We're not going to air each other out on the air. We're not going to, you know, and if we are, it's going to be lighthearted. Right. It's not going to be like, if there's a serious issue, it's not going to be tended to, you know, yeah, live on the radio. Yeah, that's where behind all closed hell, doors. It, absolutely. Yeah. And from that moment forward, and again, it wasn't like, "Hey, motherfucker," because I had no <laughs> juice. I was twenty six. Like, as it's like, that's the way it's got to work. You got to sure. keep things in the room. And to that point, to his credit, he is. I mean, God, been if anything, uh, just yeah. Loyal. I don't like the word loyal. You can just count on them. You can trust it. It's not a that's bad a, word, Timmy. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just, like. <laughs> If people in po- positions of power expect loyalty, it's almost like, well, if you stray and you're your own person, then and I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I want, I want people to respect if they truly respect, but not just go, oh, fuck, he's the guy in charge, so I'm going to follow. That's him. Fair. That's that's where I'm coming from. Sure, you know, because he has no reason to quote unquote be loyal to me now. He hasn't worked quote for me for a decade, but I still know I can count on him, and I appreciate. Well, that. once you're under the umbrella, you're always there. Look at Absolutely. look at the nonling. Right. Look at uh, God. Who else? I feel like people have the sack tax into the text into the show. He does, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, people texting in who haven't worked on the show in, God, like a decade. Brian Henschen. Brian Henschen was an intern. How, how and where is the non-gay? He's a counselor now, Esquire. Yeah. And uh, when we were looking at buying He Canada's, was involved in the Badger quite a bit. 
Was he interning then? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He was at every show. I knew he was a really sharp guy. He was great. Yeah, a really sharp guy, a guy you could count on too, big time. And when I was looking at hiring somebody to run KFNS a couple years ago, one of the many times we nearly bought KFNS, uh, he was actually, we had a conversation about it. You know, I mean, it, it never happened because we never bought KFNS. Sure. But thank God. Well, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of players would agree. <laughs> a lot of players would agree with the assessment of the conditions. <laughs> uh, tell me about what it was. I haven't talked to you about this, what it was like on the Corn Ferry Tour finals, that whole experience with, uh, with Nagel and uh, yeah. you guys getting in. And then yeah. going out there on it, and I was watching it, and I'm um, curious what your uh, thoughts were. Thanks to Bubba, you know, we Bubba all, Watson. us and four other guys got in. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of those other guys did well. You know, I think Chris would tell you the same thing. I'll tell you right now. You know, he didn't play great. He uh, he struggled to kind of maintain momentum. Um, as far as like, you know, he'd get to two or three or four under and around, and then would kind of maybe make a par where. he could have made a birdie or make a bogey where he could have made a par yeah. and just you know how it is uh so do you now now that i see you walking the other day oh, yeah. you're you walking that. i love Enjoying that the stroll. Yeah. you know you know how it is when you're playing you know whether you're playing at his level or, or ours when you get it going and you can have that maybe that par saving putt or even sometimes a bogey saving putt yeah, to keep, to, to keep momentum you know and i just think he didn't he wasn't able to do that uh throughout those three tournament series you know the first event was in uh, boise Boise was at altitude. Um, you know, admittedly, we've struggled. He and I have struggled a little bit when we're together at altitude, whether it's in Colorado or Utah. Uh, just sometimes figuring out, because he hits it so far, figuring out how far the wedges are going to go and the short irons are going to go. Uh, we actually switched golf balls at Boise from the regular Pro-V to the Pro-V1X because we felt like um, – the X ball doesn't go as far. We didn't need distance. We needed uh, a little bit more spin around the greens. The greens were firm. So just kind of little things like that yeah. happened in Boise. And then, um, you know, it was weird. He in, in Columbus, Ohio, the second one, he played poorly, I would say, the first day. And he played actually great the second day. He just didn't score the second day. Missed the cut there. So we missed the cut in the first two. And then um, and this was the story I was going to tell you that I forgot to tell you oh. when we were um, – on the show that can it day. be told here? Yeah, this is a good okay. one. This is this is really cool. So you'll appreciate it because you have uh, sons. So plays the first round in, in Evansville um, at Victoria National. I think he shot. I mean, we were kind of around the we we're going to be around the cut line. Uh, he makes a decent move on Friday, um, and he's making some birdies and and, and kind of playing well. And we're we're a couple shots above the cut line, and it looks like it's going to be like three under. We got to like four or five. Well, he ends up making a double bogey on 17 and that brought him from one above the cut line where he was safe to Mm -hmm. one below yeah so we're walking to the 18th tee it's a long walk it's like a 40 50 60 yard walk something like that and his son is there and his his wife is there with the kids they got the kids and his parents are there and but his son is there and his son is he's eight years old his oldest son he's old enough now to understand like what a birdie is, what a double is, what a par is, all that. And as we're walking to the 18th tee, I see that his son Graham is there, and he's looking at his dad, but he's, like, afraid to go up to his dad because his dad just made double bogey, right? And I'm right behind Chris. This is just happening right in front of me. I'm just walking. And Chris pulls him in with his arm, puts his arm over his shoulder, and he says, hey, buddy, uh, I just want you to let you know, or I want to let you know that I'm just going to go birdie this hole for you, and I love you, and just go stand with mom. 
and he went ahead and he birdied 18 and made the cut on the number. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, which I thought was wow. cool. That's awesome. And I got to see the whole, you know, I got to see that transpire. Like, I could see that Graham's face was like, oh, my God, do I do I say something to my yeah. dad right now? Because yeah. he just made a big yeah. mistake. Yeah. And then for, for Chris to just put his arm around him and I could hear him saying everything. And then not only did he make birdie, but the 18th hole of Victoria National is like there's water all down the right. And it's 310 on this certain line to carry this water. And he hits driver. He decided to hit driver, carried it on that line. Ball stayed in the fairway, hit a wedge in there to like, you know, maybe 12 feet and made it. So that, that so that was really a cool moment. Now he didn't play particularly well over the weekend, but um, I'll say this: we had a lot of cool things happen this summer. But that was one of the neatest things for me to see. To see that, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that was cool. presence of mind, and then deliver on it. And he knows yeah. his son's upset, so he comforts right. him that way. And he himself just life. made a double right. bogey. Like I'd right. be in my right. mind. To be honest with you, my mind at that point was kind of, you know, angry or frustrated because, you know, you, sure. you you go from you're safe right. to, oh, my God, now we have to make birdie. Right. And then for him to say that to his son, hey, I'm going to make birdie for you, watch this, kind of something like Just that. stand there with your mom. Yeah, yeah unreal. Oh, that's that a, was cool. That's a, what a great fucking story. It's very cool. I, uh, I enjoy these conversations, even though they're kind of demoralizing if for anybody who has aspirations in the game. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you just said our level when you were talking about the three of us. Uh, for the record, you're currently a plus. <laughs> uh, yeah, my handicap is like a plus 2.9 right Right, now. okay, so we have that. I am a 3.7. Jackson, what's your number? 10. Okay, so Michael is a plus 2.9, so that means I'd be getting like five-ish, six-ish strokes sure. from you right now, and I'd be giving Jackson six-ish strokes, and you'd right. be getting 12 there. And then Nagel, you talk about him like he's otherworldly. And and I'm trying to just I'm trying to like define the caste system so to speak in golf for listeners because I because I, I've kind of gotten a chance to see it like people will say to me which might make you laugh which I would understand like oh he's really good at golf and I go well, I appreciate that but I get the chance to play with guys like you and I've played with Nagel sure uh, played with Adam Long and then I also am around it sometimes and I see what they're able to do what you're able to do but what they're able to do as well. So as great as Nagel is, he is fighting to get onto yeah. the Corn Ferry Tour. And yeah. those guys are fighting to get on the PGA Tour, sure. and then they're fighting for their lives to you know, continue to stay on the PGA Tour and just to make cuts. Sure. And what it does is it screams, once you see that, just how great the players are at the top. You have experienced it both on I mean, the U.S. Open. You've been there within the last few months and playing college collegiately, and then also what do you call it, and professionally. I don't know sure. Yeah, I mean, it. if you take be. money, if you take sure. money at any point, it's professional. professional. But yeah. So you see where I'm going with it, and I'm sure you've thought about it because you were at a time aspiring to do it. Sure. How would you explain it to somebody who hasn't had a chance to see what I have seen to open my eyes to the gap between? Mark Mulder, when he was on the podcast one time, said he goes, a guy like me playing and getting a sponsorship exemption, a sponsor's exemption, it's like a guy playing A-ball getting called up to the major leagues. And, yeah, they might get a hit one out of ten That's a times. pretty good explanation. And we're both professionals by definition, but there is such a gap between the A-ball and a big league, and but if you're not a baseball player at the professional level, you probably don't necessarily see the intricacies. Yeah. So what are the intricacies that makes the difference between, say, you 
yeah. an angle, because I'm out there with you at Westboro two months ago, and you're shooting a fucking 60, which is too off from the course record. Yeah, but teeing it up at Westboro at our a place where I've certainly played plenty in a, in, a, in a group where, you know, you're friends with everybody. Well, there was a four-year-old it, out there also. Right. That's Thank goodness he was there. <laughs> it's a good luck charm. But, I mean, you know, it's one thing to do it there, but then when you're doing it, like the, these guys, you mentioned Adam Long and you mentioned Chris. I mean, if you look at their handicaps, you know, Chris is, I think, a plus seven yeah. at Meadowbrook. Uh, I'm sure seven. Adam is a plus, plus six or seven. seven. That's yeah, what I it mean, is. I've looked it up. The, the thing about it is um, – and I certainly was better in tune with this when I was playing more competition, right? Like, there's just a difference. There's three types of golf. There's competition in a tournament. There's gambling, which we certainly are familiar with. And then there's just regular golf, right? So I feel like the competitive tournament juice is the – that's how you measure if somebody's really playing well or how good they are, right? Like, anybody can go out and on the right day win some money from some of their buddies or win a lot right, of money, you know? Right. Uh, and then there's obviously just fun golf, and that's totally different as well. But, um, you know, Chris certainly has the skill set of every single guy that you see on the PGA Tour, right? With the exception of maybe, I mean, when you talk about like a Rory or a JT, I mean, there's things that Chris does as well as them, but there's also things that they do better than him in certain areas. What are those? Right? So the driving distance. Certainly the length. Right. I mean, the length. I mean, he. I don't know if he could keep it up with Rory. But I'm sure he could keep it up with JT and just about everybody else. I mean, he led the driving distance on Friday at the U.S. Open. Yeah. So, I mean, the length has never been a problem. Um, and I really, truly believe that some of these guys, Adam Long being a good example of this, is you play great at the right time, and it sets you up for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. So he, he's going to be able to play Adam the PGA Long's Tour. second shot on Sunday at the 2019 Desert Classic. Incredible shot. Set him up. Right. His life is as is, is insane as it sounds. And in his mind, he wasn't thinking about winning the golf tournament. He was thinking, oh, good, I'm going to be able to play at Torrey next week. That's And so he had already won. And now he's like, oh, I got a chance to win. Great. I don't give a shit about this shot. And, and I realize like 3% of the audience knows what shot I'm talking about. Certainly that shot was key. That was a huge part of it. But I would say that, and I think he would agree if you asked him, the way he played that entire week, right? Like, you know, I've caddied for Nagel before when he shot – 18 under in a tournament at, at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland. Like God. So, I mean, any one of these guys that you're talking about is capable of shooting 20 under par for a week. They just are that good, right? Now, some of them have done it at the right time, and it's blossomed and opened up the doors for their careers, and Chris hasn't had that happen quite yet. I mean, he's certainly accomplished a bunch of awesome things, right? But you want him to get to that point where he's got full status on the big tour. That would be the ideal situation, mm -hmm. but you know, from a skill set standpoint or like a, you know, some some will say that, well, his mental game is better than his. And I, I don't even know if that's – if you're playing PGA Tour events, now the Corn Ferry is a little bit different, but if you're playing PGA Tour events, you, you pretty much have all the tools, I think. So it's really about playing great at the right time, I believe. Yeah. You know, I do. You uh, you talk about the mental element, and this was the thing I remember having. I had Adam on the podcast, and I said, you know, you're you're rattling off all these names we both know, mm -hmm. and he would know in St. Louis, and I'd go, so why? Are, and then we were down in Jupiter. I go, why? So why are you down here playing, and why are those guys who you acknowledge are great players not? And he goes, well, just sometimes when it comes to tournaments, some people can handle it for lack of a better term. Yeah. But some people it gets to totally them. true. 
But most of the people listening to this, have, the closest they've gotten is, you know, like a, I don't know, fifty dollar NASA or yeah, something they, like that. Yeah, they uh, won a match in their club championship, right? Or yeah, something like right. That. Yeah, yeah. When the, some some guys and Nagel's one of them, and Adam's certainly one of them. When the light goes on, they just they're more comfortable. That's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. They're more comfortable with what they're doing. They don't maybe get distracted by some of the other things that are going on. I mean, to be honest with you, one of the things I've learned in caddying on tour these last couple of years is that there are so many distractions when you're in the round, with whether it's gallery movement or gallery talking or, you know, maybe a caddy makes a mistake and makes a noise when you're hitting or, or the, the volunteers are always a challenge, you know, yeah. like to stand in the right place or not. So... You have to. I think the best guys they just have this tunnel vision, and they don't get bothered by, you know, ancillary little tiny things that maybe I would hear as a caddy, like when I was caddying at uh, at Norwood in the Ascension for Tim O'Neill on the eleventh hole the second day, he's standing over a putt and somebody's phone went off. Oh my like god! Like the, the phone rang. Was like, it Ken Strode's phone by chance? <laughs> I don't think because we've had was. a problem with that in here. But but. My my point is like some guys hear that and some guys like don't even know that that happened. Yeah. And I can say this from being around Nagel, he doesn't hear anything. Like yeah. I've never seen a guy that he just never gets excited. He never gets down. He just kind of has this tunnel vision. And I'm sure you know I've been on the course with Adam a few times. We've been paired with him on the Corn Ferry a few years back. Um, I'm sure he's the same way. You know he is the same way. You just have that ability to block out everything that else that's going on and and just focus on what you're doing Mm -hmm. and i think that's where that's why tiger is so like no one's ever going to be like him because he had this ability and he was taught from a young age to block everything out yeah and that that's the difference between you know great good and just average then the 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 killer mentality like if he had a lead he was going to win uh obviously there was you know what a famous exception correct uh, the Y.E. Yang uh, sure. would be the one, but, I mean, it's like there's nothing yeah. else. And then there are some guys who, you know, Ricky Fowler, I think, would be one, since he's a well-known player, who it's like, Ricky, if he has the lead, I don't know. But if he's charging, yeah. you know, and I, I wonder about that. Well, to your point, so, um, as you know, my good buddy Tony Vitello, who's a baseball coach at Tennessee. Hence your Vols hat in studio course, here Of course, absolutely, today. go Vols. Um, he said something to me a number of years ago that made me think about all sports. He said, well, how much, how much fuck you does the guy have in him? And Tiger Woods has the most fuck you of anybody ever. Right. And maybe as we've all seen Ricky Fowler, super nice dude. Right. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Ricky Fowler. Never. Right. Right. And maybe he doesn't have as much fuck you That's, in him. I, what, I, there's that tra- I call it a killer trait. Sure. Same killer thing. Trait. I think they go together. Yeah, right? a killer. And and it's just like, I, I remember the, the year, one of the years I was down at the Honda, and he won it, and Johnny Miller was on the broadcast going, oh, he just kept hinting at, oh, Ricky's got the lead. we got to see how this goes. And it was driving viewers up the wall because right. Fowler's popular. Johnny, obviously controversial when he was calling golf. And then he pulled one, I think, into the water on six. He goes, oh, here we go. This is mm-hmm. Ricky on a Sunday with a lead. Keep an eye on it. And they're just certain guys yeah. who uh-huh. have that attached to them until they win one. And I don't know if Ricky Fowler will ever win a major at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side of that, you think of other guys. Like, I think of Raymond Floyd being a guy that has a lot of fuck you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but then you look at a guy like Ben Crenshaw, who is a complete gentleman yeah. and would never be that way towards people. Maybe in his mind mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. Um, and that's from that era, you know, I think Lanny Watkins has a ton of fuck you. Yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. but 
So it's weird because you see these guys that that excelled at the highest level and their personalities are obvious. I mean, the difference between Ray Floyd and Ben Crenshaw is like yeah. <laughs> it's completely polar opposite. But um I, I but regardless of Ben Crenshaw or a guy like that, a fowler, I mean you know, I think I think everybody would say Spieth is a really nice guy, but I know he's got some. Sure, fun he does. So yes, he does. it's more about like what is it in here in mm-hmm. your mind as opposed to outwardly. You know, is there anything that somebody can do, and you can apply it well beyond golf? That's the thing. Absolutely, right? that that you have done to train your mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I have to train my mind because of the bipolar. Right. Um. So. I've learned that I have to get exercise and endorphins in my body daily. Mm. Like, and, and like if I'm going to have a good day, I need to have exercise. Like it's just because the endorphin release is almost like I'm kind of addicted to it, to right. be honest with you. But God, it's a good addiction. Yeah. Right, kind of like that. A oh, runner's high situation? Yeah. So, so I know that if I do that and, and I've got to stay hydrated, I've certainly got to take my medication – um, yeah, I mean, I definitely golf has helped me with my mindset for my health. Um, I'm probably stronger now mentally in golf because of the things sure, that I've learned, you know, with my health. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's there's cert- I want to uh, get a certain amount of hours of sleep. Um, you know, I'm going to eat certain foods. I'm not going to eat after a certain time. And and yep. but and even though we're talking about food and sleep, like that that all to me goes to your mind, to your brain, right? It does, and people don't associate it, but it, it does. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I can remember um, when I was really struggling with my bipolar. Say, like between like oh, let's say oh six to 2010 in that world or in that time frame. Excuse me, um, I wouldn't know how to like. Um, get myself to stay in the present moment because I would always get stuck thinking of like bad things that happened in the past or I would get stuck thinking about uh, bad things that could happen in the future right and then I, I read this book um, and it it uh, it taught me how to I use this term or this phrase it says um, you, you tell yourself I'm in the now right and you just say that to yourself you could say it out loud or you could say it in your mind but that trait or that little trick, that helped me on the back nine this year, caddying for Nagel at the U.S. Open, because the back nine at Brookline on Friday was the most nervous I've ever been on a golf course, whether I was playing or wow. not, because we were right there, yep. and I knew that if we didn't make the cut, it really could be detrimental, not just for the tournament, but for his career. And I remember telling myself on those back nine, especially on the last four or five holes, like, like if Chris was walking ahead to me, I mean, I'd say it out loud to myself. I'd be like, I'm in the now because I don't want to think about what could go wrong in the future. And I don't want to think about right. the bogey we made because maybe we pulled the lo- wrong club on 11. Right. So like all those tricks that I learned for my mental health stuff have helped for golf and vice versa, you know. So um, I, I think those are the and I'm always looking for podcast to listen to to feed your mm-hmm. mind good mm-hmm. stuff because mm-hmm. i read something a long time ago whatever you feed your mind grows if you feed your mind a bunch of negative self-talk and like i'm no good or i'm a pussy or whatever whatever the, the phrase the negative phrase might be in your mind if you keep doing that you're that's how you're going to feel that's how you're what you're going to believe but if you like i listen to certain um you know podcasts that are you know like um for example, uh, what's the guy's name? Ed. Um, 
Oh, my God. Ed Orgeron now has a podcast. It's incredibly <laughs> uh, inspiring. Ed Powers. Uh, I'll, Ed I'll, Powers. I'll, I'll figure out his name here. But there's there's a bunch of these, like like a Tony Robbins type. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't right. listen to a ton of Tony Robbins, but um, there's these guys out there that have podcasts out there. Like Jim Rome has a new one called The Reinvention Project. Oh, it's is a, that right? It's separate, really? from, it's separate from his regular podcast. Really? Is that so, right? So, he, yeah, he has like a – it's like a self – it's almost like a self-help podcast, right? Okay. But he brings in different people from different walks of life that just teach you different ways to think. And I, I mean, it's easy for me to apply all the stuff from golf because I've played golf my whole life, right? But I've picked up a lot of stuff over the years by listening to podcasts, doing some writing exercises. I do some writing exercises on my own to help me, um, to help my mind get in the right place. Uh, part of my daily routine along with the exercise, along with taking medication. And, and these are just things that, you know, I'm 44 now. Like when you would, if you would have asked me at 24 and even 34, I wouldn't have known had any of these skills or any of these thought processes because I was I didn't stop drinking until I was 34. So, and obviously for me, keeping alcohol out. So, you know, I mean, some guys, some people, you know, the the mindset for golf was always we got to get better. Mm-hmm. And for me, with my health, because I had so many weird things happen, I had to adopt that mindset for my health. And then, luckily, they go together pretty easily. And I can, you know, talk. I, I talk to a lot of other people now who might be struggling with depression, anxiety, whatever it might be. Other people with bipolar, right. and allow just sharing the stuff that I've learned is easy because these are all the things that I had to kind of teach myself or learn on my own because I didn't have. Um, like a mentor, like a bipolar a mentor who could help me. I didn't know anybody who had it or that I trusted or that I knew that could say, hey, here. Sure. The, the term I always use is like, I have the answers to the test now. Like I'll, I'll work with a lot of kids in their mid-20s that have struggles with bipolar, and I'll always tell them, like, look, I've taken this test. Let me let me give you the answers to the test that that I've got because mm-hmm. I've I've gone through it and I've – I learned what not to do, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. um, luckily, golf really has helped with that because golf, as you know, is just between your ears. It's you so mental. It's unbelievable. It, it really is. And you, you, you've talked about it with Nagel that you know the mentality, like how he's able to stay so cool. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that you're in awe of it. Yeah. I've told I've I, told the story. I told it on the radio. I think I told it on the podcast. A lot of golf left, which to you probably you're like, oh yeah, I'll have to refresh your memory. We were playing me and you against a couple of guys, the big money game yes, yes. for our for us anyway, sure. the big money game. Uh, and we were down. I think we had lost the first three holes, and we're down. And I'm just like, That's I, right. I don't know. I don't know what Wellington's situation is here, but I don't want to get him in a spot where he's no, no, no. Gonna it would have been fine. And so, and I knew what they were doing. They were talking to you about anything other than the game, and I had to get you kind of hey, just so you know, we're down here. And I the, promise and you, I knew the game was going on. <laughs> I, I figured as much, but just yes. on the off chance, and I said, yeah. hey, just so you know, because can. can you know, and you go, oh, I know, a lot of golf left. And then sure enough, we wind up winning, you know, a well, fairly decent amount of money. And, I, and I've and i told Jackson that, and I've told it on the podcast and maybe the radio. And I said, that that to you was like a nothing. But to me, it was an example of why people are successful in particular at that game. But if you can say it in general, if it's a business situation or sure. a relationship, that is so healthy. Well, to your point, though, I mean – one thing I – I mean, that's got to be, I think, your mentality for golf anyway. But at that particular time, I knew we had, what, 15 holes left. I remember exactly what you're talking about now. Right. Um, and the other thing I know is that so much can happen in three holes of golf, let sure. alone 15. Right. That like, And I also felt like we're at a, well, I'm at my home course, basically. 
we would be okay. You right. know, I mean, e- and even if we somehow played terrible, like if we if you give us fifteen more holes, like we'll figure it out. Like we'll be we're not we might lose, but we're not going to lose that bad. Right. And the other thing that you have said that you found has helped you, and I'm saying this again in sensed golf, but it's really life. Is and this is what I was saying because I liked I like to press. Sure. I like to even if it's even if I'm an underdog, I like to press because you're going to put the opposition to the test. Right. Of course. But you have said you got to a point. I don't know when you said you got to it where you're like, yeah, I mean, who cares what I do with the shot? In other words, like, okay, so let's say I lose X. It's not like we're going to keep it within the realm of not being something that is, you know, a mortgage payment. Something right, that right. is, you know, you don't like it, but it's not. Yeah. It's not going to affect your life. It might sting, but you right, know. right. But, but you yeah. know, oftentimes I'm playing with people who have more money than me, and you would, you know, it's like holy shit. This is the, you can. It's in. It's in the kitchen, and if you can go, yeah, we press. I don't, you know, whatever. It, it, but there is something liberating to it, and it also fuck can fuck with if you're playing the right sure. people. Can fuck with. The right people. Uh, I totally understand what you mean. And, and now, now the other, now the other thing you got to understand is I have played in some games where things we Do were playing for amounts were, that were uncomfortable. See, I would never put myself in that spot. So um, now I've been lucky to come out on the right side of those, but I, those could have gone the other way. What is the um, atmosphere like when that's going on? Um, I mean, I almost want to tell you the story from Boone Valley that's just incredible. <laughs> Name names and dollar figures. Well, you know, you know a couple of them. Oh, that's uh, not alarming. I won't name names, but I'll, let's put it this way, and you'll love this because this is right up your alley. So, we had a two we had a two man team match. Me and my partner against this, these other two guys. This is probably twelve years ago, and we decided we were going to start off by playing a fifty dollar Nassau. No big deal. Not too bad. You right. Know. Well, at the end of the first nine holes, me and my partner were up 350. Mm-hmm. Nice, not huge, whatever. Well, our opponents were like, let's forget the NASA. Let's just assign a number to each hole, like what we're going to play for. Mm. So, so we're up 350 going to the back nine. I think 10 was worth 100. 11 was worth um, maybe 100, and then it got ignorant. Uh, then it went to like... <laughs> 12 was worth 300, 14 was worth 500. By the time we got got to the 18th tee, that hole alone was worth like 700. Oh, my God. And, you know, I, uh, at that time, definitely did not have any money, like, at all. <laughs> I was playing I was playing mini-tour golf, which, which was good because I could play at a high level at that point, but I did not have a lot of money at all. Yeah. So I had to win. Like, there was no choice. I ended up rolling in a, a pretty decent-sized putt on 18 for us to – pretty much sweep everything from the front and the back, right? And these guys were playing against, that wasn't enough. They wanted to go play more. Oh, wow. So now... So what are you guys up after 18? So I think... Well, here, I I don't know what we were up 18, but I can tell you what happened. So when we, we played... We played the 19th hole, and we, me and my partner won the 19th hole again. And on the 20th hole, one of the guys on the other team waved the white flag and he said, I'll pay Wellington. You guys just keep playing as long as you want. I'm out. He's had enough. No moss. Done. Uh, it was something like it was like 2100 bucks, something like that. Oh, wow. So now that wasn't the best part. Now, now, mind you, we're all friends, right? Uh-huh. So the guy who waved the white flag, he and I are now riding in the cart together because we're acting as rules officials for these other guys who have now – They've they've switched their match from um, from just 
the two on two to they're playing each other and they're not very good either one. <laughs> they're, I mean, one's probably like a ten and the other one's like an eighteen, but they both have a lot of money. <laughs> so we're watching and 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 they keep going and we're keeping track and finally they they get to the twenty seventh hole, the third nine, you know, end of the third nine, and. The one guy says to the other, okay, I'm down 3400 to you. Um, what do you want to play the last hole for? Oh and he's my. like, well, let's go double or nothing. Oh, <laughs> where's the video of this? And uh, uh, the one guy who, who lost, I think they pushed the hole. So it ended up being 3400 right? But the guy who, uh, who lost the 3400 uh he was a tort attorney, so he was no big deal. That was like me giving you a nickel. Uh, but the other guy, he he wasn't quite as successful. But it was, it was to the point where like I couldn't stop playing because we were up so much. But my buddy, who was my opponent, God bless him, it's probably a good thing that he waved the flag. He he was uncomfortable, and he's got more money than everybody in the whole group. Oh wow! So. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe it also could have been because his partner was really bad mm -hmm. as a player. Yeah, that maybe that's another yeah, reason yeah, why yeah, he, yeah, sure. why he, he didn't want to. And he's a good player. Mm -hmm. And when we get off the air, I'll tell you who it is. Okay. But uh, he was a good player, so I felt like I, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't want my gambling to be dictated Tag by this guy because sure, he's so absolutely. bad. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like you know topping at a hundred <laughs> yards off the tee, and they're playing for this kind of money, right? <laughs> so, but but my point is. Though I don't think I'll ever be in a game again in my life that was as uncomfortable as that game. Yeah, and these yeah. are you know with people that I know no, and I'm and friends, friends with, with, but right. but still like you know at that time I luckily I was probably playing some of the best golf I've ever played, which helped me to win the money. But it still was there was a lot of adrenaline. It was yeah. like a real tournament. <sighs> that was that was that's the best. That was that was a lot of juice. I remember on, on being on the 18th green, just being like, okay, if this putt goes in, we're going to be in really good shape. Um, but it was fun, and and uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen. It could happen again, but uh, but that's the uh, that's the difference when you're nowadays when I gamble, like nothing's ever going to get close to that. Right. So like when you said to me on four, like hey, uh, we got to get going here, kind of. Was, yeah, well, you know. Well, my we'll, main we'll, thing we'll was there. I didn't know if you knew the game was going on. Oh, and the I day the before, yeah, I figured as much, yeah. but just on the off chance, sure. And the day before, we had taken a mutual friend. I had taken a mutual friend. I believe it was the day before. And, you know, he was certainly hitching his wagon to me, and I played like shit. And, you know, oh, right, right, was, right. Was, okay, I remember okay, that. Yeah. So he was on the hook. I mean, it wasn't like a huge amount, but, yeah, still, but, I, but I felt badly because I got yeah. him into this game, and he loses money, and in part because I played, you know, below where I usually would play. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I, you know, these are some smart guys. Yeah. I know. You know, I know the play. Let's talk about anything other than the game. We're just rolling these motherfuckers. And I just felt an obligation yeah. to say, hey, no. just so you know, this is what it is. And I think. And then memory... the Wellingtons, I don't know, a lot of golf left. Yeah. And then he just lined up his tee shot. I was just like, that's that's a killer. That's what I love. That's well, a killer. I just figured over the stretch of, yeah, they might have got off to a hot start, but over the stretch of all those holes in a day, like, I'll take my chances at Westboro pretty much against anybody. Now, you know, you can get burned. Don't get me wrong. You can get burned. Sure. But, like, I think if you just play as hard as you can and at the end of the day, if you lose a lot, well, then so be it. But, like, if you if you just play as hard as you can, like, you know, you might be – you're probably going to be okay. You yeah. might lose a little bit, but that's going to be better than losing 3,400. Sure. Yeah. So once you've been there <laughs> – yeah, that was – It's just it's, – it's, That was a lot. It's one of those things. I just – I don't know how to, like, get – in a way, I almost don't want people to know this stuff. I mean, it's good that – 
it's like in a way it's poker. You talked about how I used to play a lot of cards, yeah, right? And that's why. And it just changed my outlook on things, and it's tough to explain it. I feel like sometimes people who don't think this way think you're, quote-unquote, trying to be the smartest guy in the room, but the process is more important than the result. If you're talking about a macro. That's right. But if you're talking about a micro, certainly the result, you know, like like Gabe DeArmond was on with us. I don't know if you watched any of the Missouri. I I do want to talk about that before we— The process and the— Well, the, the Auburn game. Oh sure, okay. But, well, let's but, look into it. But but Gabe was saying if you think that it was the wrong thing, it's what he flat out said it on the radio. If you think it was the wrong thing to not kick the field goal, then you just don't really know football, and there's nothing I can really do for you. And that was Gabe's, you know, because he just doesn't fucking care. He's not trying to make friends at this point. The colonel is the colonel. But I'm like, yeah. But then they go, but he missed it, so it was wrong. And I'm going. But it was the right decision. It didn't work out. I can lose a hand in poker and get knocked out of a tournament with pocket aces, but it doesn't mean I was wrong. Right, your process is right. Right. So, so let me take your what you're talking about here a step further. Okay, what do we have? And this this goes back to that fourth tee at Westboro that day. And so I used to, I used to I still read this guy. Uh, his name is Doctor Bob Rotella. Oh, I do you read know who he is. Rotella, sure. So he's a world-renowned sports psychologist, you know, really good. With, he's pretty much responsible for Patrick Harrington winning three majors. Anyway, <laughs> he, sa- he, he had some in one of his books that I wish that I would have applied when I was younger playing competitively because this was where I really struggled. He said, anger is the opposite of focus, mm. right? So when you're talking to me on the fourth tee about where we were in the game, like some people at that point might have gotten angry or flustered or – pissed off right but i know after caddying for nagel and reading this stuff and playing myself that like if you get mad your your judgment's going to be impaired on decision making maybe your body will start moving too fast there's biochemical hundred percent impact absolutely so i learned that and and once I, i i guess i i read it a long time ago but i never really grasped it or absorbed it until i was a little bit older but it's so true like if you get mad you're your brain gets fogged and you make bad decisions and you your body gets going too quick you move too fast and so i'm always trying when i'm playing now well, even if i'm just playing by myself for fun mm-hmm. like i never want to get angry because you know when your emotions uh, get stronger than your mind or overtake your mind like then you're then you're in real trouble yeah that's you so true if i can just keep bullshitting with people and i'm like okay well, we're down whatever but I'm just bullshitting. It's positive uh-huh. for well, my game. And and what you just said, that's why Nagel asked me to come caddy for him. Because years he, ago. he could bullshit with Five you. years ago, he yeah. come, he, we had lunch at uh, J.P. Fields, and he goes, all right, I need you to come to Chicago with me to caddy. And I said, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah. He goes, all these guys that caddy for me, they over caddy. And I said, all right. I said, no problem. He's like, I can read my putts. He's like, I'll do the yardage, but we can make sure the numbers are the same. But I just want you to talk to me. And I'm like, okay, no God, problem. Yeah. And that's to your point yeah. about, hey, let's talk about anything but golf or or if you're playing cards, anything but oh cards. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right? 100%. That's, it's I assume so, I'm not it, a card it, player. It, it, yeah, I knew it, never it, it to do absolutely that. Absolutely. Like, I don't need, like, when I'm playing, like, if I'm playing some kind of event, I prefer anyway to have somebody. I don't need somebody like getting back in the cart or like before I like, like you got all right, we gotta get this. We gotta right, right. <laughs> what is that gonna do? Exactly. It's gonna do nothing. If anything, like if you don't know how to just like let it go in one ear out the other, right. It can tilt you as Absolutely. You poker. Sure. And it's just like, yeah, I know. And it's not like I'm gonna try harder because yeah. you gave me that bullshit. It's if anything, it's a distraction. I know and I assure you I'm trying, you know. 
we're good. You know, so yes, it makes sense that he did that. That's another yeah. level of thought to think that way. But he uh-huh. probably recognized after a while, over caddying, a guy probably yes. goes, hey, you know, you're fine. He's like, yeah, I know I'm fine. I yeah. don't need you. That's, I know I can and, hit the And ball. knowing him now the way I do, yeah. and I, I'm, I knew him well then, but that is the last thing he wants yes. to do. Like, just He doesn't I, want anything like that. I don't want to play in an event where I have a partner who's going to have like that kind of thing. Sure. I need. I specifically go out of my way to try to partner with people who have a... You know, a killer approach, but a laid-back killer approach. So, like, so, yeah. a lot of golf left. <laughs> so you were, you were talking about how all the lingo from Columbia, Missouri, yes. you know, traveled to this point in time. Well, one of the things that we used to sit around the house at Spring Hill College and talk about when Freddie Couples was on TV, we would always be like, look at him not care. <laughs> He is he is out there. And everybody and he worships that guy. Don't he they? doesn't care. Yeah. Well, because he doesn't care, right? And that's why he's great. Yeah. And that's frankly, Nagel is very much like him yeah. in his mental approach. Like, there's just nothing's a big deal, you know. Well, I texted him. I know Nagel gets a hundred texts, and he probably just has like an auto response when he gets when he Monday cues and show. Oh, yes, I can't yes. even imagine. So I like lay off unless I'm getting him on the show. You know, right. I can't even imagine what it's like. And his thing, I think he was on the show, and we were texting too. And he goes, yeah, just, you know, I made some birdies that day. He's the most normal human being for a guy with that kind of talent that I've ever met. I mean, he just is so normal. Yeah. Three kids, wife, you know. It's just, yeah, he's there. he doesn't get excited, like, when things are, you know, amazing. And he doesn't get down when things are really bad. Like, yeah. it's just a great, it's a great character trait. And um, but But the anger... And I, I mean, if people listen to this and they want to try to improve their golf, man, it's not even so much about hitting better shots or chips or putts. It's about how do you manage your emotions? Yes. If I'm honest and I go back to the years that I played competitively, you know, on the mini tours and Monday qualifiers and all that stuff, my biggest problem was outwardly, if you saw me, you wouldn't know that I was mad. But in my in my mind, if I missed a putt that I thought I should have made, or I missed a green with an like a short iron or something. I would beat myself up mentally, yeah. and it would last for like three or four holes. Yeah. So when you're talking about playing competitive golf at a high level, if you're checked out mentally for three or four uh, holes, like it, that's done, you can't afford yeah, to you do can't it. do it. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's impossible. Uh, Jackson, you're 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 a guy. This this guy's you know I'd buy stock in Jackson. He's got ability, you. Michael. You guys have you played yet? You saw I mean, him walking his around. His respect Normandy. for the game is certainly second to none. <laughs> he was he was walking at Normandy. Absolutely, at the, at the Lemmings Open. Yep. What do you what do you think as you hear this man preach? I mean, he's preaching right here. <laughs> well, yeah. So, well, I, I know mean, you're not attempting to preach. I'm asking you. to <laughs> oh, preach. Oh, I know. I just but, think that's funny. But it, but I mean, it is it is. It, but I see. I take it more than golf. Like you can sure. apply so much sure. of this to. Take your pick of of business, who I like to associate with business, share these types of traits if I got somebody. No doubt. You know oh, what I mean? All the, all the successful business people have these traits. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. it's just uh, – so what, what Ed Milet was the guy who, who hosts the podcast. I'm Ed Milet? Ed, Ed Milet. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, when I was down in Florida my freshman year, I went to Florida Gulf Coast to – Yeah, Naples? Uh, right, yeah, right Fort Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, gonna, I was doing PGA Golf Management School. Were you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, so a big part of that is not only like the classwork you do, but it's playing. Like you have to, right. you have you to take pass the PAT. PAT right. right. Yep. So you have to pass the PAT, which is, I mean, that's just a mental, that's all mental. It's two, sure. you're playing 36 holes in one day, and it's pretty much like 75, 75 for both your scores, depending on what course you're at. But, you know, that's all mental. And so, so much of when I went down there, like I knew I had ability to play. And just playing all year for the first time in my life to be able to play a winter. Yeah, warm weather. Was going to be, was going to get me to a point where I'll be playing my best golf. But it was so much 
more about the headspace and how to manage myself on a golf course. And now that I'm a different area, like we talked about the Bermuda that's so prevalent down in Florida, which huh, that was the worst. A rude awa- that was a rude awakening when I first got down there. Um, but I, I always, I've, I've always liked this piece that Tiger said. Tiger has always said, I hit a bad shot, I get 10 steps to be upset about it. And on that 10th step, I have to let it go. I've read that. That is very true, and it's a great way to approach when if you have trouble with anger, right? Because it allows you to be upset. Because it's okay to be upset. It's 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 bad to like block out emotions entirely. Right. It's okay to be upset, but you can't dwell on it. Otherwise, it's going to start affecting later shots. Because that that's what people would say with regards to poker. Like the guys who would tilt if you had a bad beat. Like let's say I went all in. Guys shoves on me, and I have pocket aces. I'm like, oh my god, fuck yeah. Even then, though. I can lose the hand. That's just the math. Sure. And then he sucks out and rivers me, and he had pocket queens and hits a queen on the river. And now I'm, you know, 75% reduced to my chip stack. If I now go, okay, fuck it, I have, you know, ace nine, and now I'm going to raise and re-raise and go all in, now I've allowed the previous hole, the previous mm-hmm. hand, yeah. to now knock me out yeah. of the tournament. And that's it's poison. That's the thing. So I like the grind once you recognize the grind, because the grind becomes the challenge to fight inside of your head. And so I love that, which is why I respect it, which is why there's a lot of golf left was so mm. I, I yeah. loved it just because it was just like, yeah, no, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. We're fine. I mean, and, and from a just number standpoint, we had so many holes left. And um, yeah, just, I just and I, I'll tell you what, though, if you if that situation would have happened 10 years ago, yeah. maybe I wouldn't have been in this. Maybe I wouldn't have said that. Right. Maybe right. I would have been, you know, more angry at myself or, you know, I just. You know, I, I just feel like if you if you allow anger to get involved, it's only you're only doing yourself a disservice. Right. And yeah. this, I mean, it applies to. I'm telling you, whether you're high, I mean, bipolar, you you speak sure. to the, the mania sure. or the lows. Oh, yeah. Never make a business decision based on emotion, or when you recognize, if you can, yeah. you have to have the awareness that you're up here or that you're down here because you're going to make a decision that will be you know, not necessarily one with some semblance of equilibrium. So I love that. I wasn't planning on talking about this. I was just planning on Iggy chipping the ball. But what a nice little treat. <laughs> what a nice little treat for the audience here. Uh, Mungan asked, also a wonderful sponsor of the program, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. Get your cars from Jamie Burkhardt and the great people at Mungan Ask, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, and even if you need your car from there, you can get your car service there, get your car repaired there, as I did. Now my wife's car is getting repaired there. It's stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com, and the great Seth Gold Camp and Design Air Heating and Cooling. I just scheduled a furnace tune-up for the winter months here in St. Louis last night by going to designairservice.com and clicking on the Book Now tab. And then it was scheduled within 30 seconds. That easy. It's Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling Online at designairservice.com, the official HVAC provider of the Tim McCurden Show and the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Well, Michael, what a treat. I just walk in, and you're sitting here, and now we're doing a podcast. What a treat. I guess for the next edition, we'll talk about the Hinge, mm. Bumble, Tinder. Am I missing any other apps that I can That's live vicariously? Three. Those are the big three? Yeah, yeah you, big guys three. Are, you guys are both... Both, uh, you know, single uh, gentlemen here in the St. Louis metropolitan area. It's a good time to be single, isn't it, Jackson? Yeah. Um, oh, is that right? Why is it? Can I just as a deep tease? Let's get better at teasing. Why is that? I, uh, I would like to share the story sometime about how I. You've got, gotten into a seductive voice. I've I got, noticed. How what's I got, going on? I got kicked off a of bumble. Oh, really? It's a great tease. Oh wow! I can tell that to you, boys, either on the air, or off, or off, or both. I. Uh, 
It's pretty funny. I would just think, and then we'll wrap it up. But I would just think because I know because what's going to Jackson knows yeah. you don't know this that I can, I can we can smell it we coming. can oh, we I, can do this until seven. I, I understand. And it's 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 one, so we can do it till seven. But I would have to think that if you are maybe more at forty four than Jackson at twenty four on these apps in St. Louis that you see like everybody you know. Very rarely, actually. Really? Yeah, because if you if think about it, St. Louis is a very relationshipy town and uh-huh. marriage-centric town. So you know all your most of your friends are married. Like oh, you're yeah. my friend, you're married, yeah. right? I mean, most of my friends are married already. With or kids, in, especially or at the very least in a relationship, right? So relationship. yeah, I know. To be, I mean, every once in a while, yes, yeah. you'll see. But but here in St. No, not really. Wow. At all. Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I was yeah. about to ask a follow up, but then we really will be here till seven because then it's going to turn into a whole new conversation. Jackson, what about for you? Uh, like, if, in terms of seeing people I know, I probably maybe if I maybe I, it's more common at twenty four than I, I would think he'd them. see more than you know because of the age, right? Thing. Right, but then I also think that they're probably the pool is bigger in my age sure, group, hundred percent. Right. And right. as the years go on, it gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, I mean, within the next six years, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Although I would think, Michael, that the percentage of people who are twenty four now getting married by thirty will be a lower percentage than us at 24 relative to 30. I would agree. Okay, so that's been your experience here with people uh, not getting married. Yeah, I I just think it's people aren't getting married as much anymore, right? The divorce rate's 56%, I heard. Is that what it is, 56%? Um, Is it really? Holy shit. Yeah, it's a high number. Um, But, you know, I I feel like with your age, Jackson, you know, everybody's single. There's more people that are single and more people are using the apps. You know, maybe maybe not as many people my age are using the apps. Right, and everyone, I, like if you're single, everyone I know uses the apps. Yeah. Just to, like even if they don't like necessarily like are on there every day, they just have it. It's so entertaining. It is pretty fun. I mean, even sometimes. if you don't match with people, it's entertaining. Yeah, it is. It it's is amazing. Like on a, on a on a boring night, like you just, just kind of get a couple through. of friends together and you kind of oh. just like take a look and you and swipe. See what he's doing. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many tells, and once you've seen what, it what enough. What do you mean by tells? Like, oh, if it's a yeah, I know what you mean. Like I could, I no. could, like, and I'm sure Wellington's gonna agree with me the second I say it, but like I could look at one picture, no matter who it is, and instantly tell you because you people have like six pictures up there. I could look at one and tell you if they're attractive or not. That's fair. If it's all selfies close to the face, overweight. If it's yeah. If it's a group picture, wow, they're always so the least right attractive here. one. Uh, yeah. If they're using filters of any kind, oh, a lot of that. A lot of filters. <laughs> big insecurity. There's going to be a kid later on as you keep scrolling through. Mm. Like that's just how it works. What do you mean? Th- th- that means they have a child? Is that what you mean? Oh yeah, yeah. You can. I can. I just can because s- they're using a filter. No, nah, but that's one of the tells. But the wow. the close up selfie is instant tell that they are a little bigger than. He's spot really? on. Yeah. Wow, this it. is fascinating. It's all it's completely like, accurate. It's like simple tells like that, or if there's like a, a picture of like not even them, just like of like a like a meme of some sort weird personality. Oh, now, now, not even being well, in the game, nor even having the apps ever, I would be bolting, because that's yeah. like oh, on the, when somebody wants to get on the fan page and they have a meme, I know not to let them on. And, and I think the Been most... a couple of those recently. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you'll echo this as well. I think the most interesting part of the dating apps is when you see the people on there that are confused as to whether or not they're a man or a woman. Oh, wow. There's some confusion. Is that going on a lot? Yeah. Seems like it. It seems right? like... That's probably more in Jackson's pool, I would yeah. imagine. Although oh, it's, 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 it's at every pool. Right? Right? So <laughs> my <laughs> pool is uh, from, I think, 20... I think I started 24 to 50. Good for okay. you. There you go. Why don't you? Know? Uh, yeah, I would say that every once in a while, I'll be like, did, I, did one of my buddies change my settings up? 
Because that, yeah. that, that's a Gareth prank. strikes again. That's a prank that sometimes would be pulled right? at the fraternity house. Yeah, but mm. uh, you're you're definitely spot on about if the girl only has pictures from the neck up, she's probably got a bigger figure because yep. she doesn't show her figure. Yep, that's a dead. If giveaway. they don't show, if like if they're just not showing something, yeah, then they're insecure about. It. Like there will be girls who will just take mirror selfies, but the camera is in front of their face. In every single picture, so you have no idea what they actually uh, look like. I see what you're saying. And, and on the flip side, there'll be some girls that show you everything, and you don't need to see half of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is the that is the case. And then some hinge now. I don't know if you've noticed this has audio. You oh can, yes, you can record a voice yes. message. Mm-hmm. Not into that. I, I, I listen to them for a good laugh. <laughs> it is a good. It sometimes that would be. To me, that would be like a that'd be an auto no. Yeah, that's a personality mm-hmm. trait that I wouldn't be attracted to. That's that's what my feeling is. I mean, I'm I'm looking at this from it's the part upper entertainment, deck here. Tim. It's <laughs> yeah. not all dating. It's yeah. part entertainment. That, that is true. There is the entertainment. Best factor. market you've been to for the apps? Go. Like Frank Frankie's a wrapping tie, up the show. All right, some uh, quick hitters. Tie between um, Charleston and Nashville. Uh, Nashville. South. I've done Nashville. That's yeah, so, uh, so I would have to imagine Nashville is a hotbed of Nashville might as well be LA now. Strong. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean it's literally in Nashville. Nashville, you don't go through the the pictures just for entertainment. It's like there's just a bevy of good looking yeah. women after yeah. I mean, there's so many. And, and if it's you're wonderful. On, if you're on Broadway, most likely they are also on Broadway. Sure. So once you match it's, it's like it's like, hey, I'm wow. at this place. Come and wow. that'll happen. Yeah, yeah. It's Nashville is just wonderful. And Charleston was a choice. So Charleston, I just found this number out. Um, the girl to guy or the woman to man ratio um, at the College of Charleston is nine to one. Oh so that's but that's the, that's the, the college. The clears? No, that's coastal. Damn. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I applied to three schools. Um, it was coastal, Florida Gulf Coast, and Mizzou. So. But now I will say this: since I've gotten on Hinge, I have not been to Scottsdale yet. Oh. Yeah. And I haven't been. I don't think I've been to Austin yet. Oh, Bill. Which has got to be. Yeah, that's a hot spot. Maybe. I would have to think Denver's live. Yeah, shot. No, 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 no. Denver is uh, is overrated. They call really? They call Denver Menver. A lot of men in Denver. Really? Yes, welcome, Tim. I'm so welcome. out of it. I'm so out of touch. It's all right. I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I kind of informed. enjoy it. No, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, because I've essentially been in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, the entire 2000s, even going back to the late 90s. Yeah. So, I mean, I've never experienced the apps. And so I, I'm enamored with it, especially when you popped into the Quad Cities and said it wasn't too bad. <laughs> it was shockingly good in the Quad. But I told you the biggest surprise all summer was Detroit. Detroit was Unbelievable strong. Unbelievable in Detroit. Was that some of the Windsor, some of our friends in Windsor I don't know where they were, were coming across from. the river? I don't know. They were Not only were they on the app, but they were at the golf course. Wow. Like, it was phenomenal. My I mean, goodness. There's a uh, there's a sports writer from Chicago um, who who has become a big fan and friend of Chris's who comes to some of the tournaments when like he came to Silvis and he mm-hmm. came to Detroit and he comes to the Chicago events where we're there and so he and I would go out to dinner uh, some nights and he just he was beside himself in Detroit. by the quality yes and the amount he was wow. texting me from he got to the restaurant first and he was texting he's like you got to get up here as soon as possible. <laughs> Detroit. Really? Is it that good? Yeah, yeah. I haven't been like in the suburbs. In so long. Not this. Now the golf course was in the city. Right. And it, was, it was questionable in the city, but uh, yeah, the <laughs> suburbs were outstanding. But yeah, it's good to hear the other. You know. Yeah, the twenty age twenty-four. Groups. Yeah, what's doing? But it's uh, it's such an interesting. If you like people study, 
The apps are just incredible. Yeah. It's like sitting in the airport in Las Vegas at McCarran Airport for hours oh, and just watching Oh, God, people. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that is a wide delta. Right? That's a wide yeah. delta. Uh, Michael, what a treat. Uh, what a treat for the audience uh, that you were sitting in here uh, just talking it over with the Plowhawk when Jackson yeah. and I arrived uh, for back from our meeting. And now a wonderful appearance to get people ready for you know, it's weird. I want you to fill in on the show, but I want Nagel to Monday qualify. I get it. You know I, get I, mean? it. I feel the, the same way. Yeah, I get that's it. how I look at it. So if you can't, then that means then that means Nagel's playing. And right. if you can, well, then that sucks. But, that you know, you'll be here. We'll cross that bridge when we Amen. come to it. But, uh, yeah, always good to be with you boys. Michael Wellington in studio. I, the gallery is so charged up. It's like Ken Strode. With 54 from 40 yards out. Uh, thank you to thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to James Carlton. Thank you to Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wall Strategies. And thank you to, uh, who did I leave out? I feel like I left out somebody. James Carlton, Mark Hanna, Munganass. 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 St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota, the great Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganass. For Michael Wellington, special guest for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show from the thehomeloanexpert.com studios.